keep using T-Rex as like a savior. It's kind of weird. It, and it, also the T-Rex. It worked in the first yeah. one, but like to do it again in the third one, it's just kind of yeah. like, ah, uh, yeah. Is it, it's, and it's, in the new one too. That's what I mean, yeah. the third one. So oh, sorry. It's yeah. like, yeah. It's, it's turned into Kong versus Godzilla now. Hello there, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Anthony here. And James here. We just saw Jurassic World Dominion, obviously in IMAX, <laughs> and we're going to talk about that new film as well as the other two films in the Jurassic World trilogy. Jurassic World, which came out in 2015. 15. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which came out in 2018. And then Jurassic World Dominion, which just dropped in theaters. And we've done an episode on the first Jurassic Park so far. The original. That's it. That's all we've really touched on for the Jurassic franchise. And there's really just one great Jurassic Park yeah. Jurassic the other World two movie. Are, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty I don't good. know they're why. Would, I don't know why you go hang gliding next to an uh, island of dinosaurs. Plot. But, but <laughs> just saying. Plot, man. It's not what I would do on my vacation. <laughs> I'm more of like, let's go to the beach or something. <laughs> but anyways, we're here to talk about Jurassic World, and what we've discovered is that these movies still make a lot of money. A lot. All, all I believe all three movies have grossed easily a billion dollars each. Well, so Jurassic World made 1.67 billion dollars. Whoa. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom made 1.3 billion dollars, and right now Jurassic World Dominion is at 438 million dollars globally, which is it's been about eight it's days. Six day. It's been out for like an hour. <laughs> um, so it's expected to pass a billion. I don't know though because uh, it's kind of losing steam. I think Top Gun's just taking some of the air out. So it's, it's been a, actually a jam-packed three weeks. I actually don't see Jurassic making it uh, a billion. It doesn't look like it because Top Gun, like you said, is still holding over really well. Lightyear just came out. It's a very similar target audience to Jurassic World. Um, I would say obviously it's more suited to younger kids for sure after we just watched that today. But Jurassic is a little bit for the older kids, like I'd say eight to 15, it's perfect. Whereas light years, pro probably four to like 15. So it's less scary, definitely less scary. I, I would say, <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's a little less scary. There are no monsters eating yeah. people in, in light year. Yeah, I don't think there are any four year olds going to see Jurassic World. Um, probably but, not. but yeah, yeah, most likely. But so it doesn't look like Jurassic has the right window to make a billion, even though it had a humongous opening weekend all across the world globally. Because next up, we got Thor The Dark World, and everyone's excited for that. So mm -hmm. I think that – I'm not sure if Jurassic could pass a billion, but still, it made its money back already. So it's a huge success yeah, already. Very successful. The franchise itself is just ridiculously successful. And I think it's because Universal, with the property of Jurassic Park, they basically have a monopoly on dinosaur content, whether it's film, TV, because no one else makes dinosaur movies except for Universal with Jurassic Park. And, well, it's all thanks to Michael Crichton, honestly, because he wrote great, a really great book. And obviously Spielberg making one of the best uh, adventure, family, just movies in general, American films of all time with Jurassic Park. Like, I wouldn't want to see dinosaurs in another movie. It wouldn't even, like, be right. I don't think and, anyone would be on board. No one would be interested. And also, like, how could you make a story, like, with dinosaurs It'd have to be and not like, be Jurassic Park DNA. Ready, we get DNA yeah. <laughs> and we fuse it with toads, not frogs. <laughs> Different. Dino DNA. Different. But I think ultimately Universal, like you said, has a monopoly on dinosaur movies because of this. It's because of Michael Crichton. Really fantastic novel. If you haven't read Jurassic Park, it's actually quite different from the book. Um, it's a lot more scientific and 
a more detailed, lot, a lot more character work, and there are actually characters in the book that aren't in the movie. Yeah, really, half the book takes place from the T Rex's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a first person read from T Rex. <laughs> Epilogue by the Triceratops. <laughs> forward, I mean, forward. <laughs> Jim cracked himself up with that. <laughs> Got myself good. But actually, real quick, I know it's not in the movie, but my favorite scene in the book is there's a, there's a scene where. Uh, uh, was Alan Grant and the kids are escaping the T-Rex and they get on a, a raft on the river and they're like, we're on the we're in the river, we can escape the T-Rex. But the T-Rex goes into the river and because it's so tall, he's just like walking on the bottom of the river but it, and his head is above water and he's just slowly chasing them. It's amazing. It would have been awesome to see, but I don't think that Spielberg had the practical effects to be able to pull that off, but it's really an amazing moment. I don't think he wants wanted to mess with animatronics in water yeah, ever again after, <laughs> after making Jaws. He's he like, no, go, no way, no you way. Know, I've never seen water in another Spielberg movie. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana Jones was all CGI. <laughs> We're getting silly tonight. But uh, before you continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is, besides using our coupons codes, is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost podcast where you get awesome perks like our personalized videos Patreon shoutouts on the show, weekly bonus episodes for every patron to enjoy, as well as our $10, $25, and $100 tier patrons have access to our Discord where we do chats and can communicate with you all day, every day, as well as our watch parties. $25 tier and $100 tier patrons also get their own custom episode that you choose the topic and we talk about it and make an episode for you and also our chosen $100 tier patrons get an executive producer credit at the end of the show we also launched our podcast masterclass online course so for anyone who wants to start a podcast or improve their current podcast our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course to give you all the secrets behind the scenes of our show the link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com or go to our website raidersofthelostpodcast.com it's right there on the homepage be sure to follow subscribe wherever you're listening thanks for tuning in around the world Leave those five-star reviews. Now let's get back into our episode on the Jurassic World franchise. And I think that the Jurassic World franchise has done a, a really decent job of trying to capture what Spielberg did. Even Spielberg couldn't do what he did with the third film. Like, the first film is just so incredible. Uh, I think the first one is the best of the trilogy. Uh, the first Jurassic the World. The first Jurassic World. And the other films, and especially the new one, they have good moments and they are a little questionable at times. They're not perfect movies, but neither is Jurassic uh, Park The Lost World. So I think the franchise has always had ups and downs and they, there hasn't been a great one like Jurassic Park. I, I think that the franchise maybe can never be able to duplicate what Jurassic Park did. I don't think you absolutely can. It's, yeah. it's, I think it's impossible and obviously, let's put our expectations in a realistic place, everybody. Steven Spielberg did not make these movies. He was the executive producer of the Jurassic World franchise. He also helped pick Colin Trevorrow as the director for the first one after he saw Safety Not Guaranteed, specifically the ending of the movie, which I will not spoil for you, is what sold Spielberg on Trevorrow being a potential director for the first film. It's a creative little world. Indian movie. Yeah, it's, yeah. but it's a gr it has a great ending, yeah. great visual effects on a low budget. It's really cool. Um, Steven Spielberg in 2005 said that he had an idea for a sequel to Jurassic uh, Jurassic Park 3, uh, but he was too busy to get around to it. Obviously, I think he was making Catch Me If You Can by then, my Minority Report. So he's busy oh, doing 2005? Yeah. Oh, wow. So he had an idea wow. for the fourth film, but he's like, ah, I'm too busy. And then um, basically Ch Colin Trevorrow came on for direct directed the first one, and then they went in a different direction with Fallen Kingdom and had J.A. Boyona 
And then Colin Trevorrow came back for Jurassic World Dominion, the third in the film. And I believe what happened, sorry to interrupt, is Trevorrow got picked to make the second Star Wars sequel film. And then Disney, um, after, because Trevorrow made a movie in between Jurassic Park and Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. It was horribly received. I cannot remember what the movie is, but it was... The Book of Henry. Yes, Book of Henry. Critically panned, uh, audience panned. Very big flop at the box office, so it was a, it was a failure. And then, and he had been working on the. He had written a script for um, the second Star Wars film, or or Rise or, of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, the, the third film. He wrote the, the story film. for it. And so Disney fired him from the project, and then they they got J.J. Abrams back. So I believe that's why he didn't do the second Jurassic because he was tapped to do the next Star Wars film. And I think that they wanted to go in more of a horror direction anyways with the with the second film in the franchise because Boyona has experience in the horror world. Um, he but- made one of, um, one of Monster Calls, which is a really great coming-of-age uh, sci-fi monster movie. Really excellent film. I love it. He's also, He also did The Orphanage. So he had experience in The Impossible, which is what yeah. got Tom Holland really famous, I guess, at a young age. And I just think the second one, it ended up not being as scary as they probably anticipated. And then they came back with Trevor for the third film, which you could say was probably the right decision to do at the time. Because I think the it's hard to pick, like, rank these movies. Obviously, I think in the Jurassic World trilogy, the first one I think is the best for me. Yeah. And then I, I, it's not that I don't love the second one. It's just the story is kind of bland. But the third one, I think there was so much potential here. I think it was a drop ball overall, though. Yeah, I think the first one is by far the best one. It I think that they understood what audiences wanted. They did a good job of... Um, referencing the original, like when the kids find the Jeep, uh, finding the original entrance in lobby of the Jurassic Park entrance hall. Uh, little things like that, little flourishes and references that Top Gun Maverick did a good job of referencing its first film. And there was a lot of that in Jurassic World, as well as establishing the theme park again. That's what the other two sequels didn't do. They didn't have the theme park. And so I think that Having the theme park back was also a strength to the Jurassic World first film and why the story worked because after the second two the two sequels, not really loved by fans, I think they were like, let's go back to the theme park concept. Let's go back to people being trapped with dinosaurs around them. So it's just a monster movie again. And I think that's definitely the strength of the first film and why it works so much. The sec- So I think environment is also a big key. So this, in the second one, I did not really like the idea of the entire second half of the movie is at like this British estate. Uh, it didn't really feel like an interesting location for the story. It felt very small. Uh, also, having a clone in there, it felt a little diff- like a different kind of sci-fi movie with this film. And so I think the setting is what really steered us off the trajectory of the first film. And then the third film, it was set up to establish Jurassic Park being Jurassic World. What we've been getting to for this trilogy, uh, dinosaurs out in the open, dinosaurs in the world living on their own and human beings and the rest of the species on earth having to try to figure out how to live with dinosaurs out there but i think they made the mistake of after they led to that open gigantic scope they brought it back to an enclosed environment for the third film the second half of that movie takes place in an enclosed environment you could say it is like another theme park although it's like a facility for bionis biosyn biosyn come on man it's like it's like <laughs> apple it's like apple headquarters but with dinosaurs the guy the villain looks the like villain is looks, tim cook looks like tim cook the villain is tim it's, cook it's richard parker by the way yeah, from, yeah, from amazing, amazing spider-man. spider-man his dad and so i think it was uh it was a mistake to go back to an enclosed environment setting when they established the idea that it could be a huge scope globe trotting dinosaurs 
out in the open would be the problem, but instead they brought it back into a small space, which I, I think was not the right direction to go for those. Yeah, trilogy. even though there were sequences out in the world, kind of, you know, because Jurassic World Dominion was basically Mission Impossible Fallout <laughs> with dinosaurs. <laughs> I was waiting. They even had White Widow I was there. Yeah, they had White Widow, the same character that Vanessa Kirby <laughs> plays. We have this high-class British woman who is an arms dealer or a dinosaur dealer. I'm just like, they literally, they saw <laughs> Mission Impossible Fallout. Then they're like, Trevorrow! Do this with dinosaurs, And then J- the Bortle Tomato with the Bortle Tomato, yeah. The balcony jumping the and balcony rooftop jumping. jumping. So, it was, so it was Mission Impossible Fallout mixed with Bortle Tomato. And James Bond. I get what they're doing. The problem I, the problem I have with the direction they went is it just... I feel like they're doing the Fast and Furious of the Jurassic yeah, franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fast and Furious, obviously, they didn't start off jumping <laughs> off highways, going 80 miles per Shooting hour. Shooting rockets into space. Going yeah, into space. They yeah. didn't start there. They obviously started very small in scope and that's Boosting what, cars. I love the first Boosting one. Boosting cars drag races. Second one's not horrible. Tokyo Drift's kind of fun. You know, yeah. it's a pretty fun movie, but then it's just been yes, bananas yes, ever yes, since. Yes, 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 Fourth yes, one's pretty good, too. Yes, yes, <laughs> what are you doing over there? You're singing that Tokyo Drift song. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bud. It's all over TikTok. All right, Bow Wow. Get your, get your, your Hulk XB <laughs> over there. And then I'll take a selfie your on, a, on XB. A, a private jet. Anyways, <laughs> 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 oh, man. <laughs> Dishing it out to Bow Wow on the show. He's not a patron. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think what happened with the Jurassic World franchise so far is they've turned they've fan, they fant I mean I'm sorry not Fantastic Beasts they Fast and Furious the franchise that's basically what's going on. It's about family because <laughs> it's when, not about dinosaurs anymore. It's all family no, now. Well, look look the first one is about dinosaurs. But look at the original trilogy. There is one of the movies that's about family. That's yeah, one of the main. But yeah. even the first film. It's the original Jurassic Park. It'll never be touched because of all the thematic elements that it infuses into it. Whereas each one of these three in the new trilogy, they kind of only like grab one or two of those themes in yeah. here. Family is one of them in the second, in all the concepts of the movies, for sure. Like the the nephews in the first one, yeah. Claire's nephews who she's trying she's to so save, annoying. and then <laughs> then Maisie. You could say the familial connection with the obviously the Lockwood, Lockwood, yeah. and. The and connection then, that he has with him, and, and then Claire and, and Owen becoming parents to her. Yeah, yeah, so so family is a strong theme throughout the Jurassic Park franchise and in Jurassic World. But I just think what they did with it in the third one, they're just kind of like f it, let's just go big and bold, <laughs> dinosaurs and motorcycles everywhere. It is what it is. The thing with it is, I'm totally happy watching Shut Your Brain Off movies. I love Shut Your Brain Off movies. They're so fun to watch, but. I still want to be entertained and I still want to have a good time, but there are shut your brain off movies where you don't have a good time. And I, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy watching this movie, but I was just, I think I was just let down because they brought back the legacy characters and it seemed just like kind of like a, a way for you to get you into the theater like usual. Yeah. Whereas with Top Gun, they brought back Val Kilmer and Iceman. And that was a great way of bringing back a legacy char- character, but making it emotionally significant to the character of Maverick, emotionally significant to the story. Yeah. Whereas here, it really wasn't part of the story. You could say Ellie Sattler was the main driver of the plot in this movie, but the other two, Alan Grant and Ian Malcolm, like, why does Ian Malcolm work at Biosyn? What is he doing there? <laughs> what does he even do? Does he just, does he just give speeches? speeches to people with at, his books? Biosyn? And then, and then <laughs> Alan Grant is literally, I forget he's there in the movie. I was watching, I'm like, oh yeah, Alan Grant's here. Literally doing nothing <laughs> but ellie sattler is the main driver of the plot for sure with the yeah. locusts and i was you know it's a movie about dinosaurs but locusts are the the thing you want to get into the locusts we'll let's get into it. A no, lo- let's, let's get into it we can get into the why locusts not? all right <laughs> why not man well hold on first i want to do <laughs> raw tomato scores for all three of these okay, movies so okay. raw tomatoes on jurassic world is a 71 percent audience and um, critic score 78 percent audience score jurassic world fallen kingdom 47 percent critic score 48 percent audience score and then Jurassic World Dominion last time I checked was 30% critic score 79% audience score 
All right. So also, I think one of the ultimate strength of Jurassic Park. Who's who's the villain of Jurassic Park? Tell me. Humans. Can you, can you name not just the idea of a villain? Who's the villain yeah. in Jurassic Park? Yeah. Well, I would like I wouldn't say John Hammond, but I would say the hubris of humanity is the villain of Jurassic Park. Okay. So that yeah, and also they put that into every film. Uh, although the second and third ones, they have more clear-cut villains, kind of. But I think that with the new trilogy, they were trying to like make like villain villains, and especially the third one, the Tim Cook Apple CEO villain. It was it really did not work for what me. What is he doing? He's just eating yeah. granola all yeah. day. He's just like eating snacks. Yeah, it was it was just. Uh, I don't think they pulled off the villain character at all in the Jurassic World. And but it, he. And he's a connection to the first film. He's Dodson, yeah. and that's who, um, what's his name, is shouting out in the opening at that beach scene when he's doing the um, black market Newman. deal. Newman. Newman. What's his name? <laughs> <in the name? laughs> um, but that's the character. That's the CEO of Biosyn in this film. He is in that scene with Newman, <laughs> and he's making the deal for the embryos. So I really like that connection. Nedry. Nedry, Nedry, thank you. But I, I thought it was strange that ne like Dodson didn't even realize that the, th the trio were involved with Jurassic Park back in the day. I thought it was strange. That, and, and the villain, I think, ultimately was the biggest weakness of the third film. Uh, it was a really bad villain. Uh, act, the actor's okay. Uh, he was going for, like, an on-the-spectrum, um, doesn't really connect with human beings at all kind of performance. So I get what he was doing. It just felt a little too on the nose. And also, his plan didn't really make sense. Did he not really believe that locusts would multiply and become out of control? Did he not really think that people would suspect, hey, it's weird that the locusts aren't eating biosyn crops? I thought it was just a really dumb plan for this guy who's supposed to be a genius and head of the uh, company like this to make such a silly plan without really thinking it through or even considering the consequences and how it could go wrong. Um, I think ultimately the Jurassic World Dominion's weakness is this villain character. Same. I, I think the villain's the, we the weakness as well because I think Dodgson is the right choice Inter to bring it back. It could have been interesting. I think I was yeah. like, oh, it's Dodgson from the first movie. And I don't think he would know who the other tri trio is because he was just getting samples from Nedry, so he had nothing to do with Jurassic Park. So I don't think there's a problem with that connection. I guess. Um, For me, it was. But still, like, yeah, so he knows who they are, but he didn't. Yeah. he never met them. I think it was really interesting, but it also just didn't really make a ton of sense because Jurassic Park, the original... Nedry gets the the dino embryos. DNA, the embryos inside the Barbasol can, and then uh -huh. he gets attacked by the dinosaur and gets killed. Now, you can say that even though he was killed, maybe someone picked up the Barbasol can. Yeah. But, I mean, what are the chances of that happening? There are really no other humans on the on the island besides the survivors of Isla Nublar. Uh -huh. And also, you could say, well, maybe someone a couple months later found it. That had like a 24-hour window of coolant to keep the embryos safe. So. Yeah. I don't. I know how they brought they they showed the Barbasol can in the yeah. new one, but it's like, how did the embryos survive, and how did he get dinosaur DNA from that can? I actually did. He is that what happened? Well, they, I'm pretty sure they they showed the can in the movie. So I think it was just a re visual reference to show the connection between him. I'm not sure he used those. Okay, embryos. you're probably right because then I think it was just yeah. the the dinosaur trade because what the black market. What Biosyn is doing is they've been rounding up dinosaurs right, and okay. then making the clones based off of right. those. So, so cancel, it's okay. And scratch that out, Jim. James clearly did not watch the movie. I did not watch <laughs> the movie at all. No, I'm kidding. You just missed it. I, well, I was talking myself through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what that's how Biosyn has been making new dinosaurs by using the DNA of the dinosaurs they've been capturing in the wild over the last four years from when the first, the second movie ended. Gotcha, gotcha. But I think you make a great point where 
you know, where we're now dinosaurs out in the open in the world. It's really interesting. And, yeah. you know, the trailer made it seem like we'd be out in the world the entire time. Yeah. But then, like you said, they bring it back to this secluded location. Is it the Italian uh, mountains, the, the Italian Alps, I think. Dolomite. Um, the Dolomites. And so yeah. now we're back just basically, like you said, in kind of just a park setting. So it kind of was a little bit surprising to me or I was a little bit um, underwhelmed there because I wanted to be out in the world. But I do like things about the new film like the the dinosaur black market i think that concept's really interesting love that concept um practical dinosaurs i was so glad we got practical practical dinosaurs again we mm -hmm. got one animatronic dinosaur in jurassic world we got that was, five yeah that was jurassic world's biggest weakness was heavy reliance on cgi the the second film uh fallen kingdom we had five animatronic dinosaurs and then the jurassic world dominion we had dozens and dozens of animatronic yeah. dinosaurs they even had the big heavies were animatronic at many times so <laughs> that was my favorite part of the movie was getting the animatronic dinosaurs back because i think that is part of the magic that brings you into a jurassic park movie is to to make you feel like you're there and that it's real is to actually see practical things and camera picked up as dinosaurs well that's what that's what we want to see and that's what really works for the franchise is when there's a huge friggin dinosaur and there are people on the screen with it in the same frame and that's it's a really powerful image because these are species that have been separated by tens and tens of millions of years and to see them on screen together and it not being cgi it really is a wonderful thing to behold and it really works the best parts of jurassic world dominion are these moments and they do really work at times and it, they did have some good scary moments in this film and the practical dinosaurs when they were there on screen it really felt right and that's something the other two films were very much missing and so i really like how trevorrow was like let's try and go practical we can do it it's harder to pull off but it's totally doable i think that's what filmmakers and studios are always like let's just go the easy route let's go cgi it's much easier to do, and it's a lot harder to build an animatronic thing that works and looks good. So I'm glad that they took the care and decided to go the route of practicality because it was really the best parts of this movie. 100%. This week, we are sponsored once again by Zavi, the home of all things pop culture. That's Z-A-V-V-I.com. Use our code Raiders to get all sorts of discounts today on all your merch, movie posters, clothing, everything zavi is the go-to place for merch clothing and collectibles inspired by your favorite franchises zavi just launched their entire line of moth headphones that have really cool custom printed interchangeable design caps like jurassic park batman all sorts of cool franchises they have bluetooth connectivity battery life of over 16 hours 90 days of standby time and only a charge time of two hours we cannot wait to get our hands on these headphones. We have a Batman set and a Jurassic Park set heading our way. We highly recommend you check these headphones out. Zavi also just released brand new clothing lines for Stranger Things Volume 1, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Star Wars for the 45th anniversary. Not to mention brand new lines in June for Jurassic World, Call of Duty, Stranger Things Volume 2, and all sorts of other great stuff they sent us. A great bunch of cool little goodies like this cool Jurassic Park sign. Anthony's got a Jurassic Park sweatshirt and a Jurassic Park mug. mug. So thank you so much, Zavi, for all this cool merch. What makes their clothing special is it's printed on demand at their warehouse, meaning they only produce the clothing item once it's sold. This way they don't waste garments and everything is brand new. Other than their clothing collection, they have all sorts of steelbooks for Blu-rays, all sorts of pops, collectibles, and figures from your favorite movies, video games, and animes. 
And for all you fans of Stranger Things, Zavi just released their brand new bobblehead of Eleven in her haptic suit right after she learns how to become a superhero again. Besides all this merch, Zavi also has a monthly magazine. It's called The Lowdown. On the cover this month is Miss Marvel, and they feature all sorts of exclusive interviews with the actress who plays the newest hero, Iman Vellani, as well as interviews with Jurassic World Dominion director Colin Trevorrow and the cast of The Boys, including Carl Urban and Jensen Ackles. They reveal all the secrets of season three. And if that wasn't enough, there's actually an interview with us, James and I, your favorite podcast in this new edition of The Lowdown. So go ahead and check out our interview there. So make sure you head to Zavi.com. That's Z-A-V-V-I.com. Use our code Raiders to get all sorts of discounts today on all your merch, movie posters, clothing, everything. And the main characters of the Jurassic World franchise, the two mains basically are Bryce Dallas Howard as Claire Deering, who you could probably say is the lead of the franchise. And then Owen Grady, played by Chris Pratt, is a co-lead or second lead. Now, Chris Pratt playing Owen Grady, he's a former Navy guy. He's an animal behaviorist and velociraptor trainer. And the first one, then he moves on. He's still working for Jurassic World and his ties there. Then obviously we know how he's brought into the third one where he's helping be a father to Maisie. And then Claire, she goes from operations manager of Jurassic World and just basically stays with Jurassic World in the franchise until she is developed a Jurassic or a dinosaur rescue unit or rescue She's an organization yeah. to help save dinosaurs yeah. that are out in the wild being used or in in facilities being exploited or being imprisoned against their will. So she's turned into that kind of character. And then the first film we have Simon Masrani. He is the Jurassic World owner of the park. We also have Dr. Henry Wu, the geneticist from the original Jurassic Park, who I loved how he was brought back for this yeah. franchise. However, I think his character went through a little bit of a dramatic transformation throughout the, three in the third films. film. So in the third film, he's he's completely different. I understand what they're trying to do, but it just it kind of it was kind of weird where he went from like kind of um, arrogant, evil geneticist to just like a very kind of weak character. But yeah, this this he is, should also yeah. be in prison for what he's done. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it, um, <clears throat> this is where I think they've really met not had not handled villains really well. Irfan Khan, who passed away recently, he's a great actor. He's a great actor. Um, and he played Mizrani. And I think that he was like the first foray into a big bad that the franchise has had. Yeah, and he's a he's a good he's a pretty good villain. However, excellent actor. And v- Vincent D'Onofrio as Vic is another pretty good villain. Um, and they kind of pulled it off in Jurassic World, the first one, uh, to have humans who are good villains rather than just like the first film doesn't really have a clear cut villain. And I think it's that's the strength of it. It's more the idea of the themes of humanity and what these human beings are trying to achieve. That's the what the antagonist is really, and I think it's more powerful that way. But I think that you know it, it was a try, good tr- good to try to make real clear cut villains have characters who are villains in the plot rather than it just being the the hubris of mankind. And then after Masrani, I think they kind of went into just like kind of cliche territory with Ellis in the second one. He well, uh, he's basically plays the same villain he plays yeah. in Amazing Spider-Man. Exactly, yeah. It's it's way too similar and then also like we just said the third the villain in the third film, the head of Biosyn is just like he was just the worst villain we've seen in the franchise. And so I think that I was hoping they would get back to that and there could be um another kind of villain but going going for another we the, the tech billionaire villain has become a very big trope recently the tech billionaire uh bad guy and I, I don't think that tech billionaires are cool people at all in real life but i think it's becoming kind of a cliched thing to see in modern films and well i guess you, we've seen I mean, you kind of need it because what kind of you need a billionaire who 
has these kind of programs and these kind of pro- these kind of uh, properties and yeah, I suppose and ownership so, yeah. rights over things. So usually they are working in tech or in science. So yeah, I yeah. think it's kind of like the most th- the thing that fits most in. Yeah, if you think about it. All right, all right. But I I, I can see that maybe um maybe it is okay to have that trope recent in recent years because it is a thing that we have nowadays with like you know I mean if you think about it, like like most Bond villains were tech billionaires too kind of yeah in a way. yeah super wealthy yeah, yeah super they wealthy had companies yeah. yeah. <laughs> But Jurassic World, I think, did a good yeah, job. Yeah, he just hates billionaires. Yeah, I hate billionaires. <laughs> yeah, you should hate billionaires. Um, but uh, Jurassic Park did a great job with its its fear. I think the Indominus Rex was a really cool monster to have. It was really scary. It was very intelligent. And I love I love the scene of it tricking everyone into thinking it escaped. Yeah, Indominus Rex is an excellent, a cool movie, dinosaur, excellent movie monster. You know, because Masrani he wants a bigger, scarier dinosaur, so he has Henry Wu create one with yeah. transgenetics. He's, and so Indominus is the first transgenic dinosaur. He's got raptor DNA, and as we know, like in the film, Grady has trained these Velociraptors where he's the alpha in this crew, and they follow him. And even leads them on a hunt to find the Indominus Rex after escapes. But we learn right away that the Indominus Rex has raptor DNA because it becomes alpha of the raptors with its raptor calling. Yeah. So it's a really cool dinosaur. It can camouflage. It basically becomes kind of like invisible in environments. It can eliminate its heat signature. And they really pulled off the horror really well in the first film, Jurassic World. The raptor scenes are awesome when that raptor team uh, begins attacking the, the uh, soldiers. In the forest, excellent scene. Some of the Indominus Rex scenes are really cool. Just, I think that Trevorrow did a solid job of capturing that horror that you we came to know and expect from the Jurassic Park franchise. Also, the first one was the most involved Steven Spielberg was of the trilogy. So, uh-huh. according to Spielberg, I was very involved in breaking the story, working on the script with Trevorrow and writer Derek Connolly. I was not on the set, but I watched dailies every day. If I felt something about the dailies, I would send a note to Colin directly. But Colin was doing a great job. You could tell by the rushes. I didn't even find Colin. Frank did. So Frank found Colin, some guy named Frank. Frank Marshall. Frank Marshall. (laughs) (laughs) So Spielberg was involved with the story and the script. So I think that's why it's probably the best written of the three movies for sure. Yeah. And I think that they... Figured out, like, we, we got to reboot this. We can't just do the exact same story. We can obviously use some of the same parts from it. And obviously, we have to have the T-Rex in this movie for sure. But how do we have a dinosaur more powerful than the T-Rex? Yeah. We make one ourselves. And that's kind of like a trend with humanity right now with science and, and cloning and transgenics and all the things that are going on. So I think it actually makes sense and ties into the real world very well. So I think, yeah, I think the approach to dinosaurs in the first one really worked well. And then I think that they kind of misstep with the sequels. Uh, and especially, I think, in the third one. So dinosaurs are living amongst us in the world. And even in the, tra- in the trailer, there's a shot um, in... I can't remember what cities. I'm not sure if it was specific. But there are giant pterodons living on a skyscraper. And these are like giant pterodactyls. And these are man-eaters. And they're just nesting on a skyscraper... That, I think, should have been the conflict of the film of, like, you have man-eating dinosaurs living amongst human beings. You can't just let them live in a city. They can just fly down, swoop down, and take anybody they want to eat during the day. Um, So I thought it was strange that things weren't being done to protect people from dinosaurs because dinosaurs, they're carnivores, most of them, and they're really big. (laughs) And So I think that it's a a danger to human beings, and I think that should have been maybe the... uh, the progression of the plot of how do we protect people from dinosaurs without 
you know, killing off the dinosaurs? And can we get the dinosaurs into places where they would be able to live without affecting us in a bad way? So I think that not really showing the relationship between human beings and dinosaurs living together, I think that was not really shown at all in the film, even though they was advertised that way. We get like a two-minute newsreel to open the film, and we see some some cool clips like that giant dinosaur attack, attacking the shrimping crew on the on the open water. And like there's like little dinosaurs chasing a little girl in her yard. Interesting. That's what I was expecting to see for the rest of the film. But I don't think they really touched on like what if there are just raptors living near a neighborhood? They're just going to hunt people all the time. So I think that the plot should have definitely taken into account how do we combat dinosaurs to defend human beings from these giant man-eating carnivores? Listen, man. No one wants to work that hard, Anthony. <laughs> This is a $300 million movie. It's guaranteed to make 1.5. No one wants to work that hard. Let's just bring them to some secluded location. Do the same thing we've done four times, five times. Okay, dude? Just I'm sorry for just relax. asking tough questions. Just relax. Just have some fun, Anthony. Who, who wants to work that hard? Come on. Really? Really? What do you have? Set it here. Because what should we do about the dinosaurs? <laughs> Yay! Sorry to rain on everyone's parade. Oh my goodness, Anthony. How about we'll head into intermission? <laughs> Anthony, get the stick out of my ass. We'll, we'll chill Anthony out. He's taking this way too seriously. It's dinosaurs, man. <laughs> what about the kids? <laughs> Just kidding. It'd be horrible if kids got eaten by dinosaurs. But let's head into our intermission, anyways. And start with our movie quote competition. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. And again, thank you everybody for dealing with our sore throats. Yeah, we're still, we're sick still from, a little from sick from our trip. From our trip. This one's for me. <laughs> Wait, I'm waiting. You waiting? Yep. All right. This is actually three lines from Here three we... different characters. Three different characters. Yeah, but okay, it's a really good little piece of dialogue. It better be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready? Yeah. Maybe he's some animal that wasn't supposed to live. Kind of like those rabbits we saw. He could be a monkey or an orangutan. A bald monkey? Is he a pig? He sure eats like one. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you say it again? I got nothing. These are all kids, by the way. Kids, okay. Maybe he's some animal that wasn't supposed to live. Kind of like those rabbits we saw. He could be a monkey or an orangutan. A bald monkey? Is he a pig? He sure eats like one. E.T. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it took me a second. Great quote. Thanks, man. All right, here's my quote. I'm not a psychopath, Anderson. I'm a high-functioning sociopath. Do your research. Say that again. I'm not a psychopath, Anderson. I'm, I'm a high-functioning sociopath. Do your research. Sounds really familiar. It better be. Did you do your research? I did. Did you? <sighs> That's how I got the quote from research. I don't know, man. Sherlock. Oh, the TV series. yeah. Yeah. All right, guess this movie release year. The Flintstones. <laughs> With John Candy? I mean, John Goodman. Oh, man. We saw that as kids. Nin it's got to be in the 90s because we saw it. I'm going 1996. 94. Oh, man. I remember really liking that. Also had dinosaurs, right? We grew, we watched the Flintstones all the time oh, when we were kids. Dude, that we was always such a watched that show. Yeah, the was, cartoon. Yeah, that was great. Flintstones, we the Flintstones ever 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 do our day. All right, here's my movie release here. <laughs> in the in the Jetsons, Jetsons were big. Yeah, Midnight Cowboy. What's the year? Nineteen. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Seventy. Three. 69. Wow. Ah, man. Well, what, what year is the graduate? 62? 60. Graduate 64. 
62. Five. No, it's 62. 60. Yeah, I was trying to think. Oh, yeah, you're right. I think huh. it's 65. Might be 62. 67. Oh, wow. 67. Oh, it, well, a couple years after. Well, yeah, he actually quit from acting before he got the Benite Cowboy script. That's right. I was yeah. trying to think because I know he quit acting and I didn't know how long. Anyways, moving on to movie pop quiz time. Let's hear it. What Damien Chazelle movie did Steven Spielberg serve as executive producer? First Man. Nice. Yes. <clears throat> what Joe Wright film did Benedict Cumberbatch have a supporting role? And if you can, for bonus points, tell me what the role was. Benedict Cumberbatch as a supporting character in a Joe Wright movie. Correct. Huh. Not correct isn't the correct answer. That's just so correct. That's, that's the, the, that's the name question. of the movie? That's the correct question. See, I'm one of those guys that... What are you Googling there? I'm not Googling You pulled anything. out your phone. <laughs> <laughs> what are you Googling? I was pulling up... The answer? Supporter, supporter of the week. I would never. I don't I don't cheat. Why man. do you have to do supporter of the week right now? You're trying to answer a trivia question. I can, pull I it can up multitask. After. I can think no. and scroll through my phone no, because I'm just pulling a podcast app that's like sure. literally no brain power at all. Okay. It's muscle memory, basically. Yeah. Well, how about you focus on the question? <laughs> oh, I was focusing on it. That's how I focus. I just scroll on Sounds my phone. Sounds like you're stalling now. I've been stalling the whole time <laughs> because I don't know the answer. Atonement. Atonement. So he plays the uh, the friend of Keira Knightley's brother. Of course, he's visiting. Does. Of course he does. And he's the one who actually was with the girl that James McAvoy's character was accused of assaulting. Thanks, man. No problem. <clears throat> it's very tragic. I'm sorry if no one's seen that. <laughs> sorry. We well, didn't spoil it. I spoiled most of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't spoil the ending ending, though. That was like the halfway midpoint. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Moving on to haters, unsubscribes. We got anything? We got some. We got yeah, some what, unsubscribes. What do we got? We got some unsubscribes. Let's hear it. Let's, let, let me pull it up. Here, you pull, I'll do our... I'm not the multitasker you are. See, see, I would have had it ready. See, I already have mine ready to go. See, that's how I roll. Let's move on to our <laughs> supporter of the week. This is a, a five-star review from Grateful Bed. Unsubscribe. <laughs> Can't believe you guys haven't seen Avatar Last Airbender. Now I'll have to unsubscribe. Sorry, pal, but thank you so much for the five-star review. Really oh, Olivia, it. Olivia, I'm going to start the show soon, I promise. That's what he tells everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to get on that. Every, everyone says it's awesome. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we got to get Definitely. on that. Okay, here's some unsubscribers. This is a good one. Steven Michael Wick wrote, "What they for our Top Gun clip, what, they weren't flying the jets? That's it. Unsubscribe. <laughs> P.S. Love the podcast. <laughs> and then uh, in our Top Gun episode on YouTube, Anonymous wrote, one of you should change your name to Max because then the other could say, hi, Max, and it would sound like IMAX. <laughs> so until that happens, unsubscribed. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Crack me up. Who's our godfather patron? Oh, I got another unsubscribe. Okay. So Harry Millsy wrote, last time I was at the Sistine Chapel, they did not allow photos. I see you guys didn't care about that rule. Unsubscribed. Who, did you take a photo? No, it's, it's from the ceiling mirror. Oh, so okay. So I, I, I replied to them. I let Harry know that it was actually a different church where yeah. you can actually... It has another huge um, panoramic painting. A, a lot of, yeah, a lot yeah. of churches in Rome have beautiful ceilings. Yeah, but this, it, it looks similar, but this yeah. This one, it's, it's a much smaller church. Ha Harry, I promise you, James and I didn't even take out our cell phones in not, the Sistine Chapel. Not a single time. We barely said a word out. I just said, hey, I'm going to go over there. I whispered it to him. And then I, that was it. I saw you over there eating Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> You're flaming hot. <laughs> I, got, I got Cheeto stains on the Sistine Chapel. You're your hand on the wall. You're like, what do I do with all this cheese? I don't want to get hot Cheetos in my eyes. 
<laughs> My eyes are itchy. <laughs> Silence. Silence. All right. Um, who's our Godfather patron? So we have a very special Godfather patron today. Our friend Lauren Smertz. Lauren! You became a Godfather patron! She has been a patron for... Forever. And a fan forever. forever. Like, yeah. OG. OG. Definitely Lauren's OG. the best. Yeah. She's been around forever. She's always interacting on social media and yeah. always at the watch parties on Discord. She's always giving me shit. Very funny. Yeah. yeah very Lauren's funny. very funny. You very sarcastic. She's actually also a chosen one patron. Yeah. She is a chosen one. So. Oh, so we have to do a watch party with her. Yeah. She's, uh, she, we're going to do a watch party to watch burlesque with her. Okay, nice. The, uh, with, um, Christina Aguilera and, um, Cher. It's actually a good movie. Yeah. What's her, um, Godfather episode? So her Godfather episode Why are you is, laughing? uh, the Barbie animated universe. <laughs> <laughs> so, she, so she wants us to watch all the Barbie animated movies. How many are there? There's like a hundred of them. We're not going to watch them all. We'll watch a few. Um, which then she wants to do a review on them, the Barbie Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. <laughs> so we'll do a few. I hope this doesn't start a trend where people just like watch all these movies. Or well, I'm I'm all for the ridiculous ones. Yeah, just, yeah. I, we can't do like 20 movies. Yeah. There's a ton of Barbie movies, but we'll do a few. I'll do some recaps of some. We definitely watched a bunch with our niece when she well, was. Well, she uh, she had Fairy Topia. Barbie Fairy Topia. Is that Barbie? Yeah, it's Barbie. It was on. Barbie she had on DVD. I've seen that thirty-seven so many times. times with her like little floating guy yeah. friend, little fuzzy Man. guy. But yeah, it's a great pick, Lauren. It's uh, my favorite genre. <laughs> favorite <laughs> favorite franchise. It's not that we doesn't want to. We just doesn't have time. I wish I did. <laughs> I'd be all over the BCU, <laughs> the Barbie Cinematic Universe. It's pretty good. Thanks, man. You should coin that before Greta does. Oh, it's already coined, I'm sure. But, right. um, but Thanks, Lauren. Thank you, thank you for being not only a Godfather patron, but a chosen one patron. And a friend. And a friend. We love you. Moving on to On This Day in Film History. Today is June 20th. In 1974, Chinatown is released. Oh, nice. In 1975, Jaws is released. In 1986, The Karate Kid was released. What a great day. In 1997, Batman and Robin was released. Uh, I take that back. <laughs> and what do we get commentary every every movie now? Is this a thing? Let's keep going. 2003, Hulk is released. <laughs> 2011, Bad Teacher released. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. 2014, The Rover and Jersey Boys are oh, released. Nice, nice. 2016, Independence Day Resurgence, Resurgence is released. They're back. And in 2017, <laughs> actor Daniel Day Lewis announced his retirement from acting. What a fucking terrible day. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday to John Goodman, Nicole Kidman, Robert Rodriguez, and Christopher Mintz Place. Plas. Plas A? Plas A? I feel bad. I never know how to say his name. My stream recommendation is a show that everyone's been trying to get us to watch. Finally on it. The hey, Boys. It's my recommendation, too. Wow, The yeah. Boys. Yeah. So good. Yeah, so we're going really cool. to do an episode once season three is done, which it'll be over on July 8th, and then we're going to do a review of seasons one through three for y'all. And... Everyone, it lives up to the hype. It's, it's really, really cool. cool. It's very funny. It's just like, it's what I've wanted to see in the superhero genre. Just something different, something vulgar, something graphic, and just like doesn't give a crap about anything. It's just trying to be entertaining. And something to tear apart the yeah, superhero genre. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's really cool. So thank you all for asking us to watch The Boys. Uh, we can't wait to do the episode for you. It's going to be good. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost to get 20% off your entire order and free shipping worldwide. Manscaped are the leaders in men's grooming. They also just launched their Boxers 2.0. These briefs are so damn comfortable. I've never felt anything as soft and luxurious as this underwear. 
Their Platinum 4.0 collection also is their best deal yet. It includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Premium Body Wash, 2-in-1 Shampoo Conditioner, Deodorant, Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Reviver Ball Spray Toner, Boxers, and a Shed Travel Bag. So join the over 2 million men worldwide who are trusting Manscaped.com with their grooming needs. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at Manscaped.com. You'll get 20% off your entire order and free shipping worldwide. For all you fans of movies, there is no better way to express that love than by decking your place out with a bunch of movie posters. And of course, the best place to do that is at MoviePosters.com. Use our very special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. MoviePosters.com has a gigantic selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable, from your favorite Marvel movie to Jurassic World to your favorite classic or foreign film. They got it all, as well as the ability to do backlighting, all sorts of framing, and they have every size poster imaginable. Now, head on over to MoviePosters.com and use our code Raiders 10 and make sure you get that discount of 10% off your order today. Now let's get back into our Jurassic World trilogy episode and how about we'll go through the plots real quick of each of these films. Starting with Jurassic World which is basically kind of Jurassic Park except on a grand scale. Now we have another park called Jurassic World. It's been funded by a new billionaire who wants to make all the profits this time and they've created a new vicious dinosaur the Indominus Rex and basically what happens is the Indominus Rex Rex escapes and then mayhem ensues and all the people that are trapped inside of this park but also you know the park's been working I think for like a little bit it's not the first day is it yeah no it's not yeah so it's been operational unlike unlike the original Jurassic Park which was a failure from the start so they got that going for yeah so Claire is the operations manager and then also Owen is the velociraptor trainer so I really like the concept of the velociraptors being trained and the dinosaurs being trained really interesting and chaos ensues. I think the the highlight of the first film, though, is probably the Raptors for me. It's really cool. I think Blue is my yeah. favorite part of the entire franchise, which is why I was a little disappointed that Blue took a backseat back in the third Yeah, movie. you're right. Blue and Owen kind of were just like backseat characters in terms of plot. Yeah, I think that Owen and Blue's relationship is definitely one of the strengths of the first two films. And I, you're right. I did not like how Blue had basically no involvement in the plot, really. And Owen... He was involved, but like it wasn't like the first two. So I, I I agree. I think that that was definitely missing in the third film. And this was during, you know, Chris Pratt just blew out of like the stratosphere of stardom with first Guardians and this and back to back years. So, and I was I I always watched Parks and Rec from day one. So being a fan of Andy. And then seeing Chris Pratt blow up like this, I it was really great to see that. Yeah, he's he's a great action star, and yeah. I think he really is just one of those guys. He cemented himself in Hollywood as a franchise lead. He's really great at it. Yeah. And this film ends, you know, the vol- the volcanoes erupting, right? That's the second one. Is it the second one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's you're... the plot of the second that's the plot, one. That's the opening of the second one. So no, no, the volcano erupts at the th- uh, halfway mark. It's kind of the opening. No, it's kind <laughs> there's of about an hour movie before. The Anyways, <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> do you want me to discuss the plot of the second yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, well, well, <laughs> so then, oh no, the first one ends in Dominus Rex versus T Rex. Yeah, yeah. That's right, because it's escaped, and the T Rex and Blue take down Indominus Rex. So again, uh, I think they did a good job of nostalgia points in the first one. 
because the Raptors, the ra- the fighting the big bad at the end, just like uh, the T Rex saving them from the Raptors in the first film. Flair with the with the um the, the flare, the flare is really yeah. cool. However, like I still think it's like to keep using T-Rex as like a savior it's kind of weird it, and it, also the T-Rex, it worked in the first yeah. one but like to do it again in the third one it's just kind of yeah. like uh, yeah is it, it's, and it's, in the new one too that's what I mean yeah. the third one so oh, sorry. it's yeah. like yeah. it's it's turned into Kong versus Godzilla now they've kind of made the T-Rex the good guy which doesn't really make sense because it's not an intelligent being it's just, it's an animal T-Rex is right now <laughs> I know you're going to say something stupid. I'm just saying that the T-Rex is listening right now are definitely very sad. Well, they got little hands, so obviously they're sad. Sorry, T-Rex. T-Rex is listening. James is apologizing on my behalf. Yeah, sorry. He doesn't want to cancel. I don't want to get canceled from T-Rex Twitter. Fortunately, they can't use smartphones. Their hands are too small. Like, how could they even look down at their hands like are up there? They don't know what they're typing. Yeah. Anyways. It is like they have kind of made the T-Rex like the good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't really make sense, especially by the the Dominion where it's like, oh, is this like a superhero T-Rex? Out. And he's so, just he's just a bullet now. Yeah. He's like a gun to use against the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, like yeah. they turned Jurassic World, they turned T-Rex into Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. I think that... Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say Godzilla? I think you said Godzilla. Yeah, okay. I got you. I, yeah, it sounded fine to me. Thanks. I'm sure someone's going to unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that... What the trilogy has always been missing, they did a pretty good job on the first one with a couple of the Indominus Rex scenes. Um, the reason why the first film works is because the scary scenes, so mainly the the T-Rex scene and then the raptor scene in the kitchen, they're like 15 minutes long. These are long, spine-tingling, suspense, thrilling scenes, and Spielberg just brilliantly stretches that suspense. These are not short scenes. And that's what makes the movie really special is the T-Rex scene is so long. and there's It's like a little mini movie in its own. There's so many ups and downs and beats to it. And same thing with the raptor scene. The kids running away from the raptors. It's still one of my favorite scenes of all time. Not even just the kitchen, but then trying to break into the computer room. Yeah, it's just exactly. Like, yeah. like that's yeah. 10 minutes too almost. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Spielberg really knows how to make tension work. And I'm not saying Trevorrow doesn't, but I feel like the scenes with the anim- with the dinosaurs in the modern trilogy – they seem way very short. The Indominus Rex scene, there are a couple scenes, and there's a scene that actually really works in the new film when when Claire's hiding from that giant like ostrich-like dinosaur, the blind one. Really great dinosaur. I love that monster, and I thought it was really cool. But the scene, she got underwater, and then the thing, the dinosaur goes above the surface and like roars at it. At cool her. shot. But then the scene's over. Yeah. And I was like, I thought that was like going to be the start of the scene, and then it's going to be like, how is she going to get out of the situation? But then. I think it was just like kind of lazy to be like we're just gonna cut away and then she's the scene's over and so I in uh, most of the dinosaur scenes in the new especially the second two sequels they're all very short and it's just like a lot of scenes with a lot of dinosaurs and I feel like it kind of lost the impact like that dinosaur that approaches that attacks Kayla and Owen when they crash land on Biosyn's property I thought like this is a great setup for a sequence like this is gonna be epic really only like two minutes long. So I think that a lot of the scenes with the dinosaur encounters were way too short in the new ones to really build a lot of tension and that suspense and that dread and that just like great anticipation of like what's going to happen. And so I think the scenes were often just way too short. And so the dinosaurs, unfortunately, kind of lost their impact of power on screen. That plus not many people died in the new one in Dominion. There weren't that many deaths. 
And so in the first one, there's people dying all over the place. And in Jurassic World, there are a lot of deaths, especially when the, the park is being attacked by dinosaurs. That's the only deaths are bad guys in yeah, this movie. Yeah, that was a really effective part of the first one. Whereas this one, well, no, there's some innocent bystanders who get killed by like T-Rex eats that guy on the scooter in Malta. True. That guy's just trying to get a coffee and he gets eaten by he T-Rex. It's pretty crappy. <laughs> it sucks to be him. But there weren't that many deaths in this film. And so it, it, it kind of eliminated that fear. So the lack of death plus how short the scenes with the, with the dinosaurs were, I think that really just lessened the impact of even having the dinosaurs on screen. Whereas the original, the scenes are long and you're just like terrified for several minutes each time. I think the Claire scene with that blind dinosaur, it could have been a highlight of the movie, but they just cut away. And that things like that, I think were just really untapped potential for the film. Yeah, if that thing was chasing her through the woods and all different scenarios. Yeah, imagine she, how, like, how did she get away? She, the next scene, she's just at Biosyn. So I think that, and also they established like she looks, when she crash lands from ejecting and then she looks out and the Biosyn lab is like miles and miles away and it's just like forest and you're like, oh crap, how is Claire gonna get through all of this forest with dinosaurs everywhere? Is like that one encounter, cut away, and then she's there. Yeah, so it didn't I really get feel that. like that journey was even had. That's valid. I just think this, this movie is so fast. Yeah. So fast It was paced. fast, yeah. You couldn't really connect with anybody. You couldn't really connect with the dinosaurs, like you said. It was You, you couldn't feel the suspense. You couldn't feel the dinosaurs. Even the ones with the, uh, the ink dinosaurs, I can't remember what they're called. That was still very fast, even though it was yeah. a great nostalgia play. But it was just lots of cuts, lots of speed. I think that's just kind of modern day studio filmmaking now is they're just boom 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 well, boom th- cut, I- cut 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 like they're they're so fast paced i think that's what the new style is for filmmaking for a lot of studios so i think it's a style thing but i also think that i think studios are really focused on packing in a trailer with a lot of stuff and so i think that they're part of what they want to do because they're thinking of the marketing and they're thinking of the trailer when they make the when they're in production of the film like we want to see this. We want to show this in the trailer. We want to get like a, as many butts in the seats. Let's try to make the trailer as big as possible. So maybe that's why the filmmakers are fitting in so many scenes and so many moments uh, in the movie. And when you watch the trailer, you're like, whoa, this movie looks epic. And then when you watch the movie, you're like, this is moving so fast, I can barely keep up. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what's going on with like trailers having so much stuff in it. And then the story in two hours can't really satisfy all that. All right, well, let's get back to the plots of the films. So then after the first one ends, Fallen Kingdom starts up where at Isla Nublar, uh, these mercenaries go. They pick up some bone samples from the bottom of the ocean of the Indominus. Uh, Dinosaurs are being released into the ocean as well from this as well. And then eventually there's going to be this volcanic eruption on Isla Nublar. Alcum, uh, Ian Malcolm is testifying that the dinosaurs should perish naturally at the Senate hearings. Claire has created her dinosaur protection group. Uh, she recruits Owen Grady after Benjamin Lockwood, Sir Benjamin Lockwood, recruits her to help get the dinosaurs to relocate them to a new safe island that is secluded from the rest of the world. He used to be partners with John Hammond, but they parted ways when he started when Lockwood started doing human. Um, cloning in geneticism and then basically lockwood's right hand man turns the dinosaurs into a black market auction and so that's the direction the film goes in the second half of the film of the movie there's also a new dinosaur called the indoraptor which is super hostile and vicious it's a super raptor. and it's another genetically created dinosaur by dr Wu as well mm-hmm. so with the second film what uh, I just 
I think the the screenplays of the the second two films they aren't very strong, especially with the villains because I I, I accept Ellis as a villain in the auction, the black market auction. I get that, but the fact that Lockwood had no idea about it just didn't really make any sense because Ellis like turned his estate into like an auction house with like facilities made and built for these auctions with like uh, like holding cells for the dinosaurs and like this huge auction arena in the guy's house and he, Lockwood had no idea because he's not on his deathbed the whole movie yeah he's not it's just the second he's half. like all he's like in environments and so it didn't make any sense that he had no idea that these things were like this entire set was built I, I just found it a little disbelievable that it even happened under the guy's nose without him with him being completely unaware of it yeah true so the auction happens and obviously Claire Maisie Franklin and Grady are there to mess everything up for the bad guys and they save the day they save the dinosaurs they got all are released from their cages however there's that toxic gas that is being released Maisie makes the quick decision to free all the dinosaurs into the real world and also Maisie finds out that she is an actual clone of her mother so she is her mother's clone Lockwood's daughter Lockwood's daughter yeah and now we're going to enter a new Neo-Jurassic Age, according to Ian Malcolm. Yeah, and the, there are some good kills in this movie. I think the Indoraptor was super scary, and uh, Owen Grady and Claire have some great scenes in this one. There are good moments for sure. Buffalo Bill's in this movie, too. Oh, yeah, he plays like uh, the, the hunter. hunter guy, and he, he dies. The Indoraptor gets set loose because he wanted a tooth of its, uh, one of its teeth as a, like an item to collect, so... I thought that was a little funny, but otherwise he's uh, he's pretty solid. And the volcano eruption, really great action set piece. Uh, and <clears throat> also we have some new cast members that I think it did a good job. We didn't have the analyst, the computer analyst that we got in the first film. I don't think they were really necessary, so I thought it was smart to get um, some new blood in the Jurassic World yeah, sequel. Yeah, Franklin Webb and Zia Rodriguez, great yeah. additions to the crew now. Yeah, they're very charming, very good actors, and he was actually in Detective Pikachu. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's great. J Justice Smith, very yeah. good actor. And so I was. it was nice to have a new cast involved. Uh, I like the. I think the best scene might have been when um, they were – I think it's Owen and Claire are trapped inside that cell with the T-Rex when it's sleeping. Mm -hmm. And they're like right next to its face. And I thought that was a really great moment. So yeah, there effects. are good moments to this movie. Yeah. Decent story. Execution could have been a little better, but I yeah. think it's solid. And then the third one, the third film, I don't know if you all saw it. We saw it. So let's talk about that. That plot is basically Biosyn is this big tech company that has now property rights over dinosaur DNA. They're doing their own genetic work. Uh, they're marking themselves as like a we're like going green with dinosaurs, like that kind of vibe, yeah. corporate vibe. We're saving dinosaurs, saving yeah. dinosaurs. Dodgson is in, is the CEO of this company, and you know they're trying to use the dinosaur DNA and studies to cure cancer and polio and all these other diseases, Alzheimer's. Now the plot of the film though is that they're also creating these Jurassic Locus. era locusts. Yeah which are wreaking havoc on crop fields across America, and they're multiplying exponentially and just destroying the crops of the world, and the world will run out of food eventually if they keep being let loose. And then his plan, what's the character's name? I'm sorry. Dodgson. Dodgson. His plan is to use the locust as a way of controlling the world's economy by controlling the food. Um, which I mean, because they don't eat the biosyn. Yeah, they, plants. they don't eat the any seeds or crops that were grown from biosyn seeds, uh, the locusts. 
Um, <clears throat> I think it seems to be like a silly motivation for a villain because they they have – how could they ever control that, this enterprise? And it's just kind of silly to think that no one would suspect me of doing this even though they're not eating biosyn crops. It's just like so obvious in your face and Ellie Sattler sees right through it immediately. And so I thought it was like – Kind of a dumb thing to do as a supervillain, <laughs> and then also to he he's like surprised that the locusts are growing in numbers. Like you didn't think they would mate with each other. Like is that something you did not anticipate? Same thing with Doctor Wu. These guys are supposed to be geniuses, especially Doctor Wu, and <clears throat> I just found that it was silly that they didn't even think about the repercussions or consequences or if anything could go wrong with the locusts. I thought it was just a very strange angle for the story and for the plot. I know they wanted. A, the filmmakers seemed to want a big conflict that the cast had to solve, but I think they should have stuck with dinosaurs. The locusts didn't really feel right, and it just kind of felt like it didn't really make any sense. Yeah, and then the key to the film in stopping the locusts becomes Maisie, who we find out was not created by Lockwood, but was created... For, now we learn this movie that she was created by her mother, who was a, her. She's a clone of her mother. Well, and- not necessarily... She was born naturally. Well, she's a clone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a clone of her mother. I'm not sure they. I mean, would you call her a clone if she was naturally? Yeah, that's born? how clones. Do, it's cloning is done. Now I know. I understand, but the mom gave birth to her. She, yeah, no. She's asexual. Yeah, no, no. So, well, she, her mother figured out how to clone herself with Maisie. Mm-hmm. That's a clone. No, no. What I'm saying is just like the dinosaurs' life finds a way. That's what happened with her. So I wouldn't call her a clone. I just call her her daughter. She's both. She's she's both. That's what I'm saying. Because though. she's an exact copy of her yeah, mother. Yeah, I know it. She is. I'm yeah. just saying you can't. I don't think she's the same as like a clone that you make in a lab. That's how clones are made in labs. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how like the sheep was made, stuff like that. They're like grown inside. Usually, they're like grown inside of another animal. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought they, they're just grown in like a. Seen like too many a, sci-fi movies. I'm sure th- there are ways to do it like that, but that's even like how that. What was it? A lamb was yeah, cloned. Yeah, that we was, saw it. That's how cloning is done. Is it's it's a clone. Is it's given birth. I thought it was like on a pastry dish. No. <laughs> That's where it starts. Um, oh, like the, yeah. So the clone Maisie's a clone. She's basically her mother. She's a clone of her mother. It's pretty pretty trippy that her mother cloned herself and then gave birth to her clone of herself, basically. And however, Maisie's mother was dying, even though she was. A, we learned she was a super genius geneticist working at Jurassic Park. She was also dying. She's working at Jurassic World. Jurassic World. Get it right. She's dying of a genetic disorder, and she was able to figure out the problem and fix the DNA of Maisie. So when Maisie was born, she didn't have the genetic defect. And then Dr. Wu wants – he needs Maisie because she's the key to figure out how to reverse the locust problem because he can use her DNA to figure out how to spread a pathogen pathogen and to eradicate all the locusts around the world. Yeah. Makes sense. (laughs) Cool plot, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, it's... And so making a pathogen out of that doesn't really make any sense. But then also, I found it, like, kind of weird that, like, this brilliant geneticist, she cured her daughter but didn't share her findings with anyone. Like, what's the point of doing it if you're not going to try and help other people? Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was strange that she didn't share any of the discovery or her process. Like, there's no evidence of it. And then Dr. Wu has to observe and test Maisie in order to figure out what she did. I thought it was just strange for someone like you could have changed the world and saved millions and you millions of lives, but like you didn't share it with anyone before you died yeah. or you never even kept like a track record of what you were doing. I found that just to be very strange of a plot hole. Yeah, and there were a lot of shocking character transformations 
to this final film. Yeah. Obviously, we talked about Dr. Wu's transformation, which, you know, he went from kind of arrogant. He, well, in the first film, he's just a scientist, like seems like a normal scientist. Then he, Like an excited scientist. I like, I like his character in the first film. He's, I think he's a great addition. Like a very arrogant, Excellent. evil yeah. kind of scientist yeah. with flaws. And now he's just kind of defeated in a way. Yeah. Um, then also we have Owen. He went from Navy officer and dinosaur trainer to James Bond with nothing interesting to say, really. And he doesn't really say anything interesting in this movie. He doesn't yeah. really work the plot. He's kind of just like a the, the shell, an empty shell of an action hero. The action guy. He's an action guy without like the dialogue pushing yeah. the plot. He's just like does the action. Uh, Franklin, he's a, he went from systems at Jurassic Park to analyst at CIA. Alan Grant's just kind of there. <laughs> Doesn't really do he anything. Do anything. He's, he lights a torch, yeah. <laughs> Alan Grant's just he's just there for just to look at. Uh, he's there for the trailer. Claire went from park operations manager to Jason Bourne also. <laughs> so we have two Jason Bournes. Tangiers rooftop Tangiers. face. Uh, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> so we have two Jason Bournes in this movie, Owen and Claire. And like what? <laughs> <laughs> Ellie Sattler. Treadstone's going to show up next to one. Ellie Sattler's probably the most like her original character Big time helping she save the day. She definitely is. I she's think, driving the plot. Yeah, she is. Yeah. So she she's, feels like Ellie Sattler. But yeah. and then Ian Alcom, he's just kind of there. You know, what is he doing at Bios and gives speeches? We don't really know. <laughs> now, the thing with what makes like, like like a character for Ellie Sattler, for example, he's such a great character. In the original Jurassic Park, perfectly written. And the thing with the original Jurassic Park is these characters, they're in these life-threatening situations that you don't think they're going to survive. Like, think about the scene where Ellie's... On her own, she has to get to the yeah. the battery tower or whatever, and yeah. she has to reset all the power, and she goes there, and she's got a limp, and she's, like, limping, being, being chased by a velociraptor. One of the scariest scenes I've ever seen in my life, not only because did the, the, the guy she was with got killed by a velociraptor, she's on her own now, Come she's in the middle, of the, yeah, she's the middle of the Jurassic Park. And the following shot scares the hell she's out of limping. me. Limping, yeah. she gets caught by this velociraptor at any moment. She manages to succeed against impossible odds to turn the systems back on and get them going on. And then she has to get chased by a Velociraptor again. She nearly dies multiple you times. You think she's going to die, but yeah. all the characters in this movie, they're getting chased constantly by whether it be locusts or dinosaurs. I never felt fear for any of these characters at all. And I didn't think any of them were going to die at any moment. Even when, when Owen fell through the ice, I'm like, well, I mean, he's just going to get up and walk away. What was, you know what? That's a good point. What was odd was the dinosaurs really sucked at killing people. The dinosaurs were terrible at They were just like stand in front of they them. They would stand there, they would roar. And that was it. It was like a terrible serial killer in a movie. They would give everyone a chance to run away. They were, they were like Michael Ghost Myers. Face. Ghost face. Ghost face yeah. and Michael Myers. Terrible at killing people. They're pretty scary, but like they would just stand there and let everyone get away. They were fine at killing people. Side characters that weren't involved in the plot, and even in the in the first Jurassic Park, I, I don't want to always keep comparing to the first one again. Steven Spielberg, like they're surrounded by Velociraptors, all hope is lost until the T Rex busts in through the door. Yeah, this happens so many times where they're cornered by dinosaurs. But like again, I didn't feel like anyone's life was under threat. That's a good point, and also I, it's the whole Biosyn infiltration sequence. It was just kind of silly. Like, is there any security in this building? No, nah, man. They're just walking through, no nah, problem. No security. And then, like the 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 villain Dodgson, he doesn't even suspect Ramsey, who was their tour guide, had anything involved with them getting into a secret area. And like when Ramsey show reveals reveals himself to being the guy all along who was messing up his plan, he was shocked. And I was like, how do you not suspect the guy who was in charge of them? With helping them get away. It didn't really make any sense to me. There didn't, there was no security at all. I understand they had the security pass, but, like, does anyone even work here? <laughs> there's, there's no one anywhere. It was kind of ridiculous. I, like, overall, it's a, I had a good time watching this movie. Yeah. You know, it's really cool. 
<laughs> I think dinosaurs. Kayla was a great new character. Kayla, too. I think, was my the best part of the movie yeah. for human characters, probably yeah. for me. I thought she was super funny and charming. Why she was like in the bathroom talking to Ellie, who knows? But <laughs> there's so many. It's, there's plot holes. It is what it is. But I think the biggest con for me for this movie is there's so many characters that have to have dialogue and screen time. It's, there's there's got to be 20 characters in this movie yeah. that they're trying to spread the wealth with. And it's just like, you really, I, I know there are ensemble casts that work. There are ensemble, so the first one's an ensemble cast. You know, there's like 10 main characters or like, like eight. But like, I think there's just too many main characters and you can't really get to know them. They don't spend much, the, the scenes are just as fast as the dinosaur scenes. The yeah. dialogue scenes are just boom, 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 boom. Here's a line, here's a line, here's a line. All right, let's move on. You kind of really don't get to enjoy the characters very much. You don't spend much time with them by themselves for like extended period of times or scenes. It's just so fast, quick dialogue, and it just doesn't really let you get to know them. I would have liked more Kayla. Yeah, I would have liked more Kayla. Because then it would have helped inform why she did what she did. Uh, it kind of felt like out of the blue. And I just I think she was a, a cool character, and I would have liked to see more of her. And it was just pretty rushed where she's just out of nowhere. She's part of the team. And so I, I wanted to see a little bit more of her for sure. That's, so that's an example of, I think that if we got more Kayla screen time, uh, I think it would have improved the plot for sure. I would have just like trimmed out like some of these characters. Yeah. Some, of, some of these characters got to go. Got to go. Got to go. go. Too so many goddamn characters in this movie. <laughs> there are a lot. My goodness. Yeah, there are a lot. <laughs> There's like literally 20 main characters. Yeah. But then there are things that there are some things that really didn't make sense. Like, so when the, the super dinosaur, the big one, when he attacks them, they, they're in the middle of the forest, right? And they find that like research tower and they, they all, the, the entire group, they climb up the ladder. So, and then, and then dinosaur starts attacking them and it's like, it's head like breaks through the glass and it's like in there. It's like, how is no, like, why is this tower not higher? Like, it doesn't make sense that the tower is this low. Has the dinosaur never attacked a human being in here before? It didn't really make sense, like, how low the tower was to the earth. Plot, the, bro. Because the dinosaur broke through, like, no problem. He's like, Plot, what's up, bro. guys? He's like, what, has he never seen this place before? Like, it didn't make sense to have, like, this small facility in the middle of the forest that clearly wasn't protected from large dinosaurs. Plot, man. Plot. <laughs> Anyways, I, you know... Still a good time. Still dinosaurs. This is the only yeah, yeah, yeah. studio making dinosaur movies. So yeah. we gotta we gotta enjoy with what we got we take it with what we yeah, got. It's, it's part kids movie. Take take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. Dinosaurs. I know, eating but people. I'm just I don't wanna be I don't wanna say it was amazing. I know. I'm gonna give my honest I appreciate opinion. your honest opinion. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I had flaws, I have cons with it as well. You know, these aren't perfect movies, but we gotta remember Steven Spielberg, Spielberg did, did not make these. Them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the only studio making dinosaur movies. Yeah. So it's gonna happen. I, and they're definitely gonna make another one. Yeah, this, it's made way too much money to not make another one. What direction do you think they're gonna go in with the new one? I already have a theory, which I told you, but do you have a theory? <clears throat> My theory would be that since they finished the film with dinosaurs living, coexisting with humans and other animals, I think that poaching will be could be a plot point, um, and also trying to protect dinosaurs from people black market trades again and also maybe some more i mean i think that dna geneticism is part of the it's part of the dna of the of the story so wow we'll great reference <laughs> i think we'll see more of that as well i think that it's gonna be if they're gonna do a new franchise movie franchise or tv series franchise i think they're gonna go with Maisie as the lead character in a prequel series playing her mother. That'd be my theory. Oh, really? 
she's about the age of like how old her mom was you know uh-huh. so uh-huh. i think maybe that would be a plot point for a future franchise i think so what she was doing those experiments it was at after jurassic park in the timeline yeah mm-hmm. i believe so yeah. yeah it might be interesting yeah it could be interesting probably a story there somewhere yeah i say i say go big in scope well if they're gonna go bigger than this then they're going to space <laughs> that's what fast and furious space. did dinosaurs in space it's, it's literally a fast and furious franchise yeah we'll have to make a jurassic space station <laughs> all right um thanks everybody for tuning into this episode of the jurassic world franchise we love jurassic park with all of our heart and we will always watch its successors in theaters <laughs> no matter how mediocre or fun they are or whatever yeah. and but, the franchise know. definitely has highlights yeah it has there's a, great there's a lot it's of great giant moments. dinosaurs it's really cool yeah. it's so much fun i know yeah. we were a little critical but you know we deserve we deserve great movies yeah. from these studios yeah. when they're putting out 300 million dollars on a movie yeah. we deserve it yeah so thanks for tuning in appreciate you so much um dinosaurs rock take care y'all this episode of raiders of the lost podcast has been executive produced through patreon by our amazing chosen one tier patrons cody moen Calvin Cam, John A. Graz, Lauren Smertz, and Tyler McFly. Thank you so much for being executive producers through Patreon for our show. We appreciate you all so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to subscribe if you're new. Hit the like button. Leave a comment. Find us on all audio streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to check out one of these other videos right here for more content on our favorite films and breaking down all kinds of movie content. Thanks so much.